any of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves. This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Hey now, Superhumans, Boomer Anderson back with another episode of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. Now, if there's one nutrition subject that we've covered a lot on this podcast, it's ketosis and the ketogenic diet. Now, why is that? I'm not actually biased towards keto at all. Sorry, keto family. If you are listening to this and you happen to want to throw tomatoes at your podcast player, well, that's okay. In fact, you should go get yourself checked out. But I'm not biased towards keto. However, I do think it's very interesting. I think it's an extremely hot topic right now, if not in the bubble range a la Bitcoin. But I think people need to learn how to do it well, to do it better in a way that suits them. One of the areas I haven't covered on the ketogenic diet is ketone esters. Now, we've talked about ketone salts and exogenous ketones with guys like Christy Vlad before. We've talked about ways to get into ketosis, and I've shared with you some of my own stories on the ketogenic diet, but we haven't talked about ketone esters. And one of the reasons for that is just sort of hunting down the right experts to get them on the show. Frank Yosa actually approached me about ketone esters and happened to send me some of his company's ketone ester in the mail. And I was extremely surprised at how effective it was in a very short period of time. Because you've heard me on the show before. I'm very skeptical of the exogenous ketones world. But Frank's one of the first people ever to actually bottle ketone esters and market it to the public. And so Frank came on the show to talk about his company, Ketonade, but also to really dive into the difference between esters and salts, what racemic means, and why you should be looking for non-racemic ketones or non-racemic exogenous ketones. We talk about esters and really delve into the chemical compounds that make the esters unique. Why are esters beneficial? The scientific studies behind esters and really how they tend to work or not work in some cases. Why you may want to look at the type of ester. And then I get to, of course, pick Frank's brain on his favorite ways to enhance focus his favorite books on high performance, etc. So go to decodingsuperhuman.com slash ketone aid and check out the show notes for this one because there's a lot of science in this. We get to talk about Dr. Veach and Frank's relation to him and a few other people. There's a lot of science in this episode. We talk a lot about the neurocognitive benefits of ketone esters and Frank and I kind of get out the whiteboard and sort of say what could potentially happen with ketone esters. Again, the show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash ketonaid. And if you go over to ketonaid.com slash decodingsuperhuman, Frank's got a special for you guys. So check that one out. Have an epic day, superhumans, and enjoy my episode with Frank Yosa. Frank, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is so exciting. This is one of the aspects of the keto world that we have not tackled yet. And um, I guess my first question for you is, how much sugar have you had this morning? I've had nothing. I've had, I've had a little bit of caffeine and <laughs> ketone ester. That's about it. Excellent. And that, 
I think you just alluded to it, but today on the show, we're going to be talking about ketone esters. And for those of you who do not know what these are, we're going to get into a lot, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. But before we go down that hole, so to speak, let's talk about keto in general, because no matter where you are, whether it's in Whole Foods, whatever grocery store these days, it seems like there's keto, 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 keto. And I guess the question is, uh, Frank, for you, or for everyone in the world, should everyone go keto? Not necessarily. I think if if everything is working for you fine and you're eating a you know quote unquote healthy diet, not necessarily. But I do think that everyone could cut down on their carbs by at least a half, and especially refined sugars. That you know across the board. Why do people love the keto diet? Because I mean, you and I are on Instagram, right? And it seems like. Every minute I see somebody with bacon-wrapped hot dogs claiming that they're keto. Why do people love this? Well, first of all, that won't be me because I'm vegan keto. <laughs> I didn't make uh, keto hard enough. I had to add vegan on top of that. But So the main reason that people are using it on Instagram is for weight loss. They're you know, sharing their before and after stories, and it just it works. And people really like it because in the first one week, they lose five pounds even though it's all water weight, so it doesn't really count, but people like walking on that scale and just seeing that number drop, so it gives them motivation you know, to keep going. But you know, the body was designed to be using two fuel sources for the brain and the body, and that's glucose and ketones. It just mm-hmm. happens to be that you know, this world hasn't really experienced the ketones because, as Dr. Veach says, there's McDonald's at every corner. So the body's just designed to work on both. You're designed to kill the woolly mammoth, and then you know, not eat for a week. But then a week later, when you need to kill the next animal, your brain needs to be sharp. So then you mm-hmm. go into this hibernation type uh, emergency fuel stage called ketosis. And that makes it so your brain is actually sharp on day seven to go you know, catch that animal or pick those berries. I guess you don't really need to be that sharp for berries. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And at, at some point I need to t- uh, connect you to Dr. Will Cole, who's, he's a big advocate of that keto vegetarian vegan diet and at least showing people how to do it well. But let's, uh, let's chat about ketone salts versus esters because, and maybe this is a question for you. A lot of what I see on the shelves these days, those are salts, right? Right. So just a little high level introduction to exogenous ketones. That's the umbrella of Mm -hmm. where you're actually drinking your ketones as opposed to your body making them. So an exogenous ketone, there's technically three ketones, uh, acetone, acetoacetate, and beta-hydroxybutyrate. The highest energy in all the products that we see that are commercially available is beta-hydroxybutyrate. This is the same molecule that your body makes naturally when you're in a fasted state. So multiple days of not eating or multiple days of low carb, your body goes into this emergency state. It goes to your fat reserves on your body, burns the fat and makes ketones, makes beta hydroxybutyrate. And that is the energy source that then suppresses your appetite and you can function without without food. These drinks, uh, beta hydroxybutyrate is technically also known as BHB, beta hydroxybutyrate, and it is in an, an acidic form. So you can't just drink it directly or else you'll burn a hole in your gut. So these companies called ketone salts, what they did is they took this acid and then attached a base to it, or technically, you, know, you can also say a salt. Those salts mm-hmm. are sodium, magnesium, potassium, and calcium. And by doing that, it raises the pH so that you can 
drink it. There's two problems with the ketone salts. One problem is the massive salt load. So to be able to deliver any ketones, you're talking between two to four grams of salt. And that's just to deliver a small amount of ketones, just enough to bump you maybe 0.5 millimolar. So if you were to wow. test your blood, someone might wake up with, if you're a non-keto person, wake up with a 0 0.1, 0 0.2, it'll give you a 0.7 millimolar, 0.5 millimolar bump, take you to 0 0.6, 0 0.7. Um, a keto person might get a bump from 0.5 to, to 1.0. So next to nothing with a massive salt load. Now, I'm all for salt. I think people should wake up first thing in the morning and pop a couple pills of salt. You know, you're depleted at night of your water, but with that water goes electrolytes. In the morning you drink water, but there's no electrolytes, there's no energy flowing. So salt is great, don't get me wrong. As an aside, it also helps you, it helps your cortisol levels as well. So if you have trouble getting out of the bed in the morning, that's just brief aside. Sorry, I interrupted you, Frank. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so that's the first problem is the salt load and the ketone ester has no salt and we'll go into that in a second. The second problem is something called racemic, which is a little bit more complicated. This is, this is something that I've wanted to talk to you about because I know you and I have geeked out about this uh, in our messages beforehand, but let's talk about racemic. Okay, so racemic, it's not a commonly used word. So you might Google it and not really find that much. But if you've seen supplements like D-ribose or L-tryptophan, those are supplements that uh, have the D and the L form. So think of it as a battery that has a positive and a negative charge, or some people use the reference, a left and right-handed glove. And the body can only use one form. Sometimes it's the D, like D-ribose, and sometimes it's the L, like L-tryptophan. In this case, the D form, which to make things more confusing, is also known as R, is what the body makes naturally, D-beta-hydroxybutyrate. So that's the, the half of the molecule that the body can use. Well, it's a lot less expensive to make a ketone salt that's racemic. And if you're wondering whether your ketone salt is racemic, it is. <laughs> and the reason I can say that is because it costs so much more to be non-racemic that they are going to put it on the package as you know, D or R, and it'll be just very, very clear. They're not going to accidentally sell you something that costs them 10 times more. So the D form is what the body can use. However, the L form is still acidic. So because it's acidic, you still have to add that massive salt load. So then suddenly you have double the salt load for the ketones that you're trying to deliver. So again, just massive salt load. Now there is one company, a couple companies that are selling the non-racemic form. One of them is Prove It. It's a multi-level marketing company. And people have said, oh, I don't like multi-level marketing, so I won't put that in my mouth. And I say, would you rather put in your mouth something from a good company that's you know not good for you, or from a company that you don't believe in that is you know healthier and better, and mm -hmm. they go, oh, I hadn't really thought about you know my boycott <laughs> very carefully. So if you're going to do the salts, focus on the non-racemic you know versions. So the other question that is more controversial on the racemic is whether the L form is bad for you, and the mm -hmm. answer is we don't know. Now there are studies that show other molecules that you know, the L form or the non-bioavailable form is toxic, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this is toxic. Advil, mm -hmm. for example, is racemic. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, unhealthy. But what Dr. V says on that stuff is I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. I would flush it down the toilet. And it's just not worth waiting a few years to see whether the buildup of the L that can't be, you know, processed as quickly is bad for you or not. It's just not worth it. So 
you know, there's a reason why you buy L-tryptophan and not DL-tryptophan and you don't buy DL-ribose. You just buy what your body can use. So Frank, on this, just going back to the Prove It, uh, just because I have a, a few good friends that are involved in that company and they're probably happy to hear this stuff. But on the Prove It side, is it all of their formulations or are there only certain ones that are in this non racemic form? Very good question. They're a drink called the Max, M-A-X, but then also the new one that came out called N-A-T, Natural, which stands for the natural version, naturally derived product. Mm-hmm. So those two, and they'll probably be coming out with more. All of the companies will be eventually shifting over to the R form. Not only is it twice as effective because it has you know, half the amount of salt or you can take twice as much, it's actually almost two to three times more effective because the L can actually impair the absorption of the D and that extra salt load actually impairs keep, you know, ketone delivery. So it's actually even more powerful than, than double. One really funny thing with the Prove It, when they first came out with the Max, they didn't actually say on it that it was the R form. They just said it was more bioavailable and stronger. And I think part of the reason was they couldn't talk about how much better the D form was because then they had a lot of explaining to do. Well, what have you been selling for two years? But they'll be transitioning away from that. Of course. Of course. I, I think Brian's a pretty smart guy. So um, I, I could see them transitioning fairly quickly. Now, on the on the ester side of things, because this is very interesting. And for a while, I've avoided the conversation around exogenous ketones, mainly because I enjoy fasting and I enjoy getting into it the old evolutionary way. But you came to me with this ester conversation. I was fascinated. And there's a lot of people listening right now who probably aren't familiar with esters but also probably aren't familiar with Dr. Veach and some of these guys. Do you mind going a little deeper on those? Sure. So my connection to Dr. Veach is he's my wife's godfather. Oh, there you go. <laughs> he's been working on this for about 40 years. He worked under Hans Krebs, if you've ever heard of the Krebs cycle. Yep. The guy won a Nobel, Nobel Award on that. And Dr. Veach actually wrote the longest paper that Dr. Krebs put his name on was Dr. Veach's paper. So he's been working on this for a long time. And by the way, he did work with non-racemic ketone salts many years ago, but threw them in the trash because he just thought that all the heart doctors would you know, be all mad at him for the massive sodium load you know, associated with it. So he kept on looking for you know, new molecules that might you know, fit the bill without the salt. Mm-hmm. So he's been working on this. There was a, a DARPA funding, I think it was $10 million, where DARPA came to him and said, hey, we need a, this military fuel what should we do? What do you think about this, you know, this uh, proposal? And it's a funny story where Beach actually said, well, this proposal was written by an idiot. And the guy on the other line was like, I wrote that proposal. <laughs> only part of it is, is silly. And the guy said, well, how would you change it? So not only did he, he change the proposal, but then, you know, had them fund more research for f- helping find the perfect human fuel to be able to simulate that five day fast that you do but do that in 15 minutes. So then I got into it about three years ago. I heard some rumbling in the kitchen table with my family about, you know, Dr. Veach and Olympic gold medals should be awarded to him and stuff like that. And then I took a, I went down the rabbit hole and watched some videos. And before you know it, seven hours later, after watching seven hours of going down the rabbit hole, there was a birthday party and Dr. Veach was there. And I finally was able to converse with him about this thing called ketones. And he normally doesn't like to even start the conversation because he doesn't want to do a you know five hour 
monologue. I was able to converse with them. And before you know it, you know, three years later, we're now selling the, the Esther that he envisioned would be one day just a tanker car pulled up to a parking lot and people would just, you know, take a spout and just get their Esther straight from the tanker car. <laughs> Okay, so the on the chemical structure of the ester, is it just like the pure ketone, or how does it work in terms of going working with your body? Yeah, so some people have incorrectly referred to it as a more uh, a more raw form or pure. That's not really quite correct. So what happens is the beta hydroxybutyrate, and this time the ketone ester is non this ketone ester is non racemic. So mm-hmm. D beta hydroxybutyrate instead of attaching it to a base a salt is attached to something called D-1,3-butane-dial. Again, the D form, but it's mm-hmm. called 1,3-butane-dial. And coincidentally, the molecule 1,3-butane-dial is kind of like MCT oil, but 10 times stronger. It goes through the liver and creates another round of beta-hydroxybutyrate. And mm-hmm. MCT oil is a coconut oil that is super, super strong. Can't drink too much of it because you'll get the runs, but it actually will push your ketone levels higher. And by the way, don't mix the two. <laughs> Ketone ester and MCT oil. I'm glad you clarified that because I'm sure somebody was getting the idea listening to this. Yeah, I know you're trying to save money and we're trying to lower the cost, but recently at a conference, I told this guy about not mixing them and he took the ester and his stomach started to hurt. And I looked over and I go, What's in that cup over there? And he's like, MCT oil. I'm like, No. that bad, but he had you know, some GI issues. You can't mix them. So the, the ketone ester, instead of combining it to a salt, which actually impairs, it'll increase ketones some, but then impairs ketones because of the salt load. Um, you attach it to D1 through butane dial, so you get a fast release. So when it gets into the body, it splits apart. You get a fast release that enters your bloodstream, raising your blood ketones. But then you get a slow release that goes through the liver and makes D1, uh, uh, D-beta-hydroxybutyrate that way. So there's no salt in the raw formulation. We actually put a little bit in ours, and I'll explain that later if it's relevant, but for the most part, there's no salt, which allows you to take many multiples more of it. So instead mm-hmm. of getting a 0.4 jump, it's a choose-your-own-adventure. I mean, you can go from 0 to 6.0 and 7.0. Wow. That was the goal. The goal was to shock people with you know their meter reading so you can see Keto Connect taking it on YouTube and they go from you know 0.5 to like 6.7 and they're like, oh my God. But that is expensive. So people think of ketone esters as just unpalatable, which we'll get to, but they also mm-hmm. think of it as just super expensive. Well, the funny thing is it actually costs less than the prove it max if you're actually comparing the rise in millimolars in your blood. If what you care about is raising your blood millimolars one millimolar, it's actually less expensive than the non-racemic salts. It's actually about the same price as some of the top tier racemic salts when, you're, when all you care about is raising your blood ketones. So you might have to take four servings of that or three servings of the racemic salts versus one sixth of a serving of ketone ester. So on a cost per cost, you know, dollar per dollar basis, it's less expensive. So it's not my fault that you can take 10 to 20 times more so then it, the sticker shock can look like 30 to $60 if you take two servings. You don't need to take nearly that to get, you know, to start seeing the benefit. And yeah. the amount of salt load that you, people might say, oh, I'll just take more ketone salt. The amount of salt load that you'd have to take would be like a restaurant shaker. If you fill this entire thing with sodium, put it in your hand, have a huge pile and eat, you know, 20, 30 grams of salt, it's just, it's just not possible. 
one funny thing is all the ketone salts talk about the research behind ketones and they point to scientific papers about ketones being efficacious. All of the papers that they're pointing to are the ketone ester. Yeah, let's go into that because uh, that's that's interesting, right? So these scientific papers don't really involve the salts at all. Is that right? Well, if they do involve the salts, oftentimes it's shown that it is ineffective. People that are trollers, uh, you know, Russian trollers out there saying, oh, ketones don't work. Look at these seven papers. When you actually break down the papers, only two of them are ketone esters. And those are the only two out of seven that are effective. Let's talk about the exact molecule that's being used because they're not all the same. So mm-hmm. Some of the papers that are ineffective are using racemic salts. There might be a couple where they showed some benefit with racemic salts, but for the most part, you know, all the scientific papers that show benefit are with the ketone ester, also known as ketone monoester or mm-hmm. D-hydroxybutyrate, D-1,3-butanediol, and sometimes it's shown as the, the R form. So ketone esters, let me go into, so that is the ketone monoester that's currently available is D-beta-hydroxybutyrate and D-1,3-butanediol. Technically, there will be more ketone esters that are different molecules that are coming soon. And that's going to confuse the heck out of people because it was confusing enough transitioning from ketone salts to ketone esters. Yeah. <laughs> ketone esters, there's three ketones, acetone, acetoacetate, and beta-hydroxybutyrate. And that's where mm-hmm. the most energy is, is in beta-hydroxybutyrate. But there is another ester, which is nicknamed the Dom ester from... Dominic D'Agostino. Yeah. and that is technically an acetoacetate. So instead of beta-hydroxybutyrate, acetoacetate, which is a lower you know, energy source, combined with racemic 1,3-butanediol. So mm-hmm. half of it is bioavailable, and the other half might slow down the process. And there was one paper where they, they couldn't, for one paper trying to do human performance with that ester, and the funny story was they actually couldn't get the the beta-hydroxybutyrate uh, 1,3-butanediol ester because it previously it was so expensive. Dave Asprey spent $25,000 for one. <laughs> that, of course Dave would, right? Like this is the guy who tracks, and I'm sure I, I've spent a lot on biohacking over the years, but the guy who brags about spending a million dollars on on hacking his health. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Twenty five grand and FedEx insurance, you know, he talks about that. And, you know, so they couldn't get a supply of that. So then they went and tried, hey, well, we'll just get the next, you know, ketone ester because the study is already approved. And they, you know, went to DOM or, you know, got that, that molecule and performance was hindered. With scientific papers, you really have to get away from the headline, first of all. It says, you know, this ester impairs performance. Okay, maybe, and maybe even going to probably. But when you actually get deep into the study, you know, it was done wrong. They did it fed. They did it with glucose along the way. You know, so who knows whether that was the reason that it impaired. But that molecule, they're focusing on oxygen toxicity with deep sea divers. Exactly. So the, this is interesting because Dom's very involved in like free, not just free diving, but like deep sea divers within the special forces, right? So there could be a use case there for actually slowing down the body, right? Exactly. And I heard Tim Ferriss talk about how he drank an ester, probably that ester, and was able to double his breath hold. And I said, oh, great, you know, I'll do that as well. And I had a baseline of 60 seconds and then you know, did that for a few days. And then I took uh, our ester and only had a 35-second breath hold. And I was like, oh, you know, the clock must be wrong. Let me do it again. And still, same thing. I was like, huh, scratch my head. Fast forward a couple of years, 
what we think is happening with that ester is that it's slowing down the body. That's not something that you want for, you know, athletic performance, but you do want that for, you know, coming out of a deep dive and not getting the bends and stuff like that. So different applications for different esters is what's going to be coming out. But people like to see the headline ketone ester impairs performance. It's just completely different molecule. And I was just looking at the paper last night. They only raised blood ketone levels during the time trial 0.2 millimolars. That's nothing. Ketone ah. ester doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah. This one barely rose, you know, the ketone levels, just a completely different molecule unrelated might have benefits for something else. Probably doesn't have benefit for sports performance, but you know, it might if the protocol changes. Let's, um, let's go into some of those benefits of esters and we can talk specifically about your ester because I think there's a lot of people listening right now that are either a cognitive ninjas, weekend warriors, or just want to achieve and sustain high performance, right? Let's talk about some of these benefits because uh, I've been taking it. I think you and I, before we started, I took a shot of the ester very little and i've noticed a big cognitive boost obviously but also things like sleep as well as workout performance have improved do you mind going into some of the benefits that you know of for these esters great yeah so for sports performance people think that it's only for endurance they only think that it's you know tour de france has been known and finally team sky finally admitted after five years of denying using ketone esters saying that they had to google what ketones were they actually admitted on a Lance Armstrong podcast that they've been using it for five years. So they didn't use the ketone salts. They used ketone ester. People think of it as an endurance drink because it lowers lactic acid buildup. So the <clears> rise <throat> in lactic acid is half as much. And funny thing is some people actually don't feel a difference because when you have less lactic acid, what do you do? You just run faster until you have the same lactic acid. And then you look down at your clock and you're like, oh, wait a second. That is not what I expected my, my time to be. So endurance performance is what it's most notably known for, but it goes so far beyond that. The only <laughs> thing that I think it would not work for is a one-time sprint because sprint really uses the fast fuel source of glucose. Mm -hmm. But anything else like multiple wind sprints, such as you know, soccer, running back and forth multiple times, the instant recovery between the sprints is where you're going to get the benefit. So not so much at the beginning of the workout, but towards the end of the workout. So weightlifting, American Ninja Warriors are starting to, you know, really embrace this and, and love it. And my kids love that. It's like my kids think that I'm a star because I can just get on uh, a live video chat with, you know, multiple Ninja Warriors and my kids will bounce around the room doing their ninja thing for an actual live ninja. That's great. CrossFit, obstacle course racing, football, you know, every single table tennis, people have noticed that the their brain is so much sharper that the ball seems like it's going in slow motion. We have MMA fighters that have reported this thing called time dilation, where they actually see things in slow motion. So if someone's going to be jabbing you with a swivel kick, if you're like the Matrix and can you know swerve underneath that foot, it's you know the world of difference. Every single sport that you know involves the the mind or some level of re repetition uh, and endurance. Now, for the sprinters, the benefit that they can have is on the recovery side. So yeah. some people actually take this only after their drink. So Keto.Neo on Instagram, if you follow him, he admits to previously having used steroids. And he actually mm -hmm. says that this is more powerful than steroids. This allows him, and we'll talk about the legality of it in a second. And he talks about how he's able to now do two weightlifting workouts a day, where if he 
only does, if he doesn't take the ester, not only is he zonked during his work day because he works out in the morning, when it comes to, you know, the nighttime workout, he's completely zonked and you know, can't do it. His too much central nervous system failure. Mm -hmm. He takes a microdose, just a tiny amount, not the huge, you know, not the huge $30 serving. <laughs> He'll take $7 worth and can go and do that every day for a month. And, and just to add to that, because you and I were talking about experiments before this, and I run a pretty, pretty strong powerlifting workout sequence. And it's kind of like, you know, West side barbell splits. So max effort, upper max effort, lower dynamic, upper and lower. And usually those two max effort sessions beat the crap out of me. But I have noticed just, and this is my end of one experiment. So anybody listening to this? Yes, I know it's end of one. But my HRV on the next day, which is usually my go-to measure for how hard I should push it in the gym, is significantly better than if I were to do it sans uh, ketone ester. So uh, that's my little N of one addition to that. So on my uh, on the YouTube channel and on our website, we have a video of uh, Greg Henderson, a Tour de France cyclist, who is basically the whistleblower to ketone esters, talking about how Team Sky dropped the bottle on the side of the road. He doesn't mention them by name, but dropped the bottle on the side of the road and freaked out for five miles saying, oh my God, we dropped the bottle. And he's just thinking, hey, just go get another Gatorade, you know, five bucks, what's the big deal? Then he goes back to the bus and his mates, he says mates, said, uh, hey, they're using this, you know, $6,000 drink called ketone ester. And he goes, oh, now I understand, you know, why they freaked out. And then two years later, we got him the ester, and he was able to clock 10% higher watts. And this guy you know, knows his watts. So he's normally 300. He was at 330 or 270 and 300. And, and he said, you know, you know, the watt meter doesn't lie. And, but more impressive to that was the next day, his HRV meter said that he had taken the day off. And he said that was a real benefit. It's sexy to say 10% you know, more you know, watts for him. But what he cares about is, oh my God, the next day I can do this again. That is, yeah, the HRV meter, you can actually see these results. And also I just got an aura ring so we can talk about sleep in a second. You can track to see if you're getting, you know, more uh, deep sleep. Did, have you noticed any more deep sleep as well after taking? Categorically, yes. I, and I've actually tried to isolate that. So just taking Esther at night and I would say that usually, and this is my biggest uh, room for improvement when it comes to the health system and is sleep. And deep sleep's always been sort of 10, max 50% for 15% that is for me. And I can push 20 while on the ester, which is, if you think about the knock-on benefits of that, and we know that deep sleep has an effect on your hormones, your recovery, et cetera, that's awesome. Right. So I wake up the next day and yeah, I have abnormally high amounts of REM, but now I'm getting good deep sleep. It's like you, f you feel like a new human, right? Yeah. Sleep is the new frontier of biohacking that hasn't been fully explored because that's yeah. where all the recovery happens. That's where your brain sets and heals. So let's go into the next, you know, we want to go into the next use case, which is sleep. Yeah, we can go, in, go into sleep and then we have some cognitive ninjas listening. So we want to go into that too. Yeah. So, and also we'll hit on jet lag. So sleep, I thought it was insane a few years ago telling people don't take it before bed. It'll mess up your, your sleep. This is technically not a stimulant. It's not caffeine. And it's not supposed to stimulate the body, but it's still an energy source. So I thought mm -hmm. it would mess up people's sleep. But then Travis Christopherson, 
wrote the book, Tripping Over the Truth, he said, hey, I've been taking 10 mLs and I've been sleeping like a baby. And I was like, no, what are you doing? He's like, I swear, try it. So then I started doing that before bed and we found that if you take a tiny amount, if you take too much, it's bad. But if you take a tiny amount, we found that people are getting deeper sleep. And even my wife, she started taking it and normally she wakes up as a three-headed dragon and the kids know to tiptoe around her bed over to me. She was suddenly for five days in a row saying, oh, I'll go get the baby. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> she hadn't even told me. But the funny thing is the sixth day, I walk upstairs and she's organizing the closet and it's late at night. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, the ketones kicked in. So you know, she took too much and a little bit too early. So you really mm -hmm. want to take it right before your bed, right before you, you know, hit the sack. And it's not so much to put you into sleep. It's, so it doesn't help you go to sleep necessarily. It might, but but it's more about helping you get a deeper sleep once you're sleeping. And people are taking, women, females are taking five mLs, which is like $2.50 worth. I take uh, 10 mLs. And if I have a really, really late night, like one hour, you know, an all-nighter before catching a flight, I've actually taken as much as 30. If I absolutely positive that I'm going to go to sleep, I took 30, woke up an hour later, and it was like, no big deal. Really? Yeah, yeah. it caught up to me later. But it, I woke up and it was no big deal. So. But normally I'll take, I'll increase from 10 to 15 if I'm getting, you know, a low amount of sleep, five, six hours. And Keto.neo, he takes it post-workout. He also started taking it before going to bed because he's a late night bouncer. And he had a video where his wife was like, why are you not sleeping right now? You didn't get that much sleep. He's like, I feel great. You know, I took the estrogen before bed. So we're, we'd love to get some clinical trials going on sleep. So if anyone out there is a you know sleep expert. I want to quantify you know what we're seeing all these N of ones you know, experiencing. So Benjamin Smar, if you're listening to this episode because he's been on the podcast a couple of times, this may be of interest to him. So also jet lag. Uh, Dr. Mercola was on a podcast recently saying that he thinks that this drink should only be sold for as a jet lag drink. Really exaggerating, but what it does for jet lag is all that radiation that you're you know getting while you're flying through the sky. People take. A small amount, $5 worth before, and maybe $5 worth every three or four hours. And people were reporting, you know, flying 12, 14 hours and just not experiencing any jet lag. For an athlete that's flying across the world to be able to be, you know, tip top shape right when they get to the next place is, is huge. Or a CEO that flies to Japan and you see all these, you know, books on negotiation where they fly you to Japan knowing that your brain is, you know, impaired and they try to negotiate right when you get there, you could just cut that out. And this is all biohacking. That's what biohacking is, is five to 10 years before the scientific research comes out. I'm going to, well, I guess Argentina is not quite the jump on time zones, but I think. Yeah, the radiation and the time in the air. Yeah, exactly. So I've got a little bit of the ester you sent me left, and I may have to take that on my flight down to Buenos Aires this week. So that'll, that'll be good. All right, let's talk. Loss real fast. Yeah, let, let's, we can go weight loss and then I want to talk longevity too. So weight loss. My wife says that I cannot market this drink for weight loss until she loses weight on me. <laughs> and all, most of the ketone salts all promote, you know, weight loss as one of the benefits. And I've mm -hmm. said for years, you know, they advocate a ketogenic diet plus ketone salts and you lose weight. And I've said, well, a ketogenic diet and clapping your hands, you know, also helps you lose weight. It's, it's the ketogenic diet is the main benefit. Mm -hmm. However, with the salts, people do feel a benefit for the first two weeks. And they, they say, hey, it stopped working after the first two weeks. And here's why. When you first start the keto diet, you lose massive amounts of salt. So you actually do need 
two, three, four grams a mass of salt load. Well, these ketone salts, racemic or not, has such a massive salt load that it's actually giving you that replenishment that your body needs. Mm-hmm. Now, you could save a whole bunch of money and just buy salt pills or buy you know, no salt, which is potassium salt, or you know, load up salt on your food, but it's actually massive amounts, so that's not going to be enough. So taking salt pills or bone broth, which is not a good you know, thing for vegans, it's the salt. 80% of the keto flu, this experience that people have in the first two weeks of entering the diet, I think is salt related. The other 20% is the lack of ketones in, you know, in your system. So your glucose is going down, so your, your brain is not getting enough fuel source and the ketones haven't raised enough to fuel your brain. So there's this you know, period of you know, mental decline. Again, most of it is salt, but some of it is ketones. And one way around that, Ryan Lowry, uh, I got this from him, is just to do a one to two day fast. Just rip off the bandaid, get your ketones high quickly so they can fuel the brain. So people are feeling those uh, salts and saying, oh, they work. But I think what they're feeling is the salt itself. So back to weight loss, we have had people that have actually had to stop taking ketone ester because they lost too much weight and they weren't trying to lose weight. So people mm-hmm. not trying to lose weight, it just lowers their appetite. It, there's signaling that goes on in the body and you know, people might take it for breakfast instead of a bulletproof coffee. And it's, you know, $5 worth instead of bulletproof coffee, but 300 calories less, you know, so you're talking net less calories for the day. But what happens for people that are trying to lose weight is like my wife, honestly, sometimes she will take the ester and then sometime somehow feel like she can rationalize eating that extra, not bagel, but, or cake, but extra food because, Hey, I've got ketones in my system as if somehow it negates the bad food that you've eaten. That can happen where someone will take the ester and then think that it you know, will negate this cake or this pizza. And sure, you can gain weight on it if your total calorie consumption you know, goes up. But yeah, we've had, had multiple people have success with it. But you know, these are things that have to be taken to a clinical trial. We have found that the smaller amount actually works better than the larger amount because we think the smaller amount, similar to testosterone, if you take a small amount, it can uh, increase testosterone but if you take a large amount of testosterone, they can actually shut down your own body's testosterone system. So okay. we had one person who was losing weight on the ester, but then he liked what it did for his brain, so he increased the amount that he took of the ester, but then he saw his weight loss stop. So what we think is happening there, well, we know that the ester initially will stop your body from making endogenous ketone production. Yeah, let, let's talk about this because this is interesting. Salts, esters, they, they initially stop the production of this. So why would anybody bother taking this? So it initially stops endogenous production. Endogenous means that your body is burning the fat. And Mm -hmm. some people have incorrectly advertised the ketone salts as, hey, you're sitting on the couch, you just drank a drink. Look, let's test your blood. You've got ketones in your blood. You are now burning fat, sitting there burning fat. (laughs) Wrong. Ketosis, I define ketosis, and I wish there was a new phrase, endogenous ketosis, where your body makes ketones versus exogenous ketosis. But right now, they're both lumped in together as this phrase ketosis. I define it as the body burning fat to make ketones. But other people define it as ketones circulating in your blood. So if you define it that way, then when you take the drink, you are in ketosis. But I want to dispel that. You're not in real ketosis. You've actually stopped your body from making it. Why should your body make an emergency fuel because you're starving if you're sitting on the couch and you just you know, drank a keg of it? So it stops your body initially. However, it should suppress your appetite over a certain number of hours, and then those hours you're not eating carbs. 
So then it gets your body back into the whole fasted state and especially the ketone ester, which goes through the liver and the liver actually makes it. We think that there's actually some signaling effect that it actually triggers more endogenous production. So net net throughout the day, your body will actually be making more ketones, even though initially it might shut it off. It does freak people out when they hear, wow, exogenous ketones stop, you know, endogenous production. Why do I want to do that? Not on a, you know, multiple day basis, people wake up in the morning and their ketones aren't you know, lower because it's shut down endogenous. They're actually higher in the morning when they took it, you know, 18 hours. Interesting. On the weight loss front, you mentioned a small amount of ester versus a large amount being more beneficial. Do you mind defining small? Sure. About uh, 10 mLs, which is one sixth of a serving. So about $5 worth. Our drink is one part ester, one part uh, water and flavoring. So the numbers are really easy. And it's about $1 per gram of active. So when you drink 10 mLs, it's five grams of ester. And it's about $5 worth. Take that twice a day. They can take it you know, once in the morning and then always on an empty stomach, no MCT oil. Uh, with coffee is fine. But if you feel jitters, it's the coffee, not the ester. The, the ester will actually multiply caffeine by three to four X sometimes. So some people that feel say, oh, I don't feel caffeine. They take a sip of ester and boom, you know, their head lights up or sometimes they even get jittery. And I said, that's... You know, the headlights up, I'd like to say is the ester, but it's not. It's the, the caffeine being delivered to the brain. Also take it between lunch and dinner, again, on an empty stomach. You really, that, that key is the exact opposite of the MCT oil. So there's a lot of training that goes on. People that have been taking brain octane, C8, MCT oil, coconut oil. You have to take it with food. This, you have to, you're supposed to take it on an empty stomach. So between lunch and dinner is another opportunity where you have an empty stomach and you start to fade towards the end of the day. You can use that to pop up. And, you know, for the weight loss, it will suppress your appetite so that 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 dinner can be, you know, that much smaller. It does technically have calories, you know, five, 10 calories, but, you know, the amount of food that you eat might be, you know, 300 calories every day and rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. It's funny you mentioned that because the first time I took the ester, was with coffee and I did notice the jitters, which I don't typically get the jitters, but for those people out there with uh, CYP1A2 variants, which allow them to be slow metabolizers of caffeine, uh, just something to be aware of. Let's, Frank, let's transition into longevity because I think there's a lot of potential here and you can clarify for me what Dr. Veach and others have already researched, but I'm, I want to talk a little bit about sort of where this, uh, the esters are going when it comes to longevity. Great. Sure. So Dr. Veach wrote a paper two years ago, uh, which analyzed dozens of other papers that showed animals, fruit flies, all had increased longevity based on caloric restriction. Each one of those papers had a different theory. Why? No one knew. And Dr. Beach finally put it in the paper saying, it's the ketones, stupid. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say the stupid part, but basically every single checkbox, it's the ketones. And they even administered, you know, to see elegans, ketone ester, and they lived longer or grew longer. So, and that's what happens with, you know, caloric restriction as well. So he's confident that in more animal studies that might come out and in human studies, that it's going to mimic the benefits of fasting without the fasting. Now, this mm-hmm. doesn't mean you be eating candy bars at the same time and, and get away with it, but just you know, a regular healthy diet 
adding this to that will mimic you know the fasting also what ketone ester does you know in that paper it powers the mitochondria so people mm -hmm. that have some level of reduced glucose uptake which is most people over the age of 30 and the older you get the less your brain can run on glucose this is an alternative fuel source that fills the brain fuels the brain and takes it to a hundred percent some people will take the ester and actually on small amounts and not feel anything if your brain is already at a hundred percent it doesn't take you there so people that have amazing sleep i say you know you can take the ester before bed and sleep you can have more amazing sleep but you might not and mm -hmm. because it brings you to 100%, brings you to where you should be, doesn't necessarily take you to 1, 5, 1, 10. Now, Bob Troia, biohacker, he took a boatload of it. He took you know, $30 worth. Actually, I think he took $60 worth, and he did this brain game score. And his worst performance increase was a 12% performance increase, but he had 30% performance increases. So yeah, technically he went over 110 or 100%. But for the most part, if I drink a small amount of ester, I don't really even feel it. You know, I'm vegan. I, I eat dirt. I you know try to work out. I don't do enough of it, but it doesn't do as much. But someone who you know, one guy, I gave him at the conference just five dollars worth, and within three minutes his brain lit up. He's like, oh my god! And so everyone is different, and it has to do with your brain's ability or inability to use glucose. And this is the second fuel that no one knows about, no one's ever experienced, and suddenly you're you know fueling the brain with it. Can we talk about cognitive decline and potential implications there? Because if you're lighting up your brain, right? And for a lot of people, they've been glucose fueled their entire lives because like you said earlier, there's McDonald's on every corner. Is there potential, and I'm speculating here, is there potential that this could help people with things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, other brain linked uh, neurocognitive decline, so to speak? Well, we're hoping that there will be clinical trials that will you know, try to show that. But right now, it's too early to tell. But we do know that a healthy person can still have some level of glucose impairment, and they are taking the ester and noticing a bump. They didn't even know that they're walking around in a brain fog. So mm -hmm. the science is a little bit too early right now, but more clinical trials need to be funded and researched you know, for these different areas. The, mm -hmm. the areas are, are endless for what it can be researched for. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, adding my little N of one experience with this, because I, I've resisted exogenous ketones for a while, uh, probably just because I've, I've heard that they stop endogenous production, which we've now already discussed, and I, I was wrong. But experimenting with esters has been very interesting for me. So thank you for, for giving me that joy because it's been anything from sleep to even on workouts, you know, anything that I can get back to or anything that enhances recovery is amazing. So thank you for uh, bringing this to market. One really quick story comparing fasting to the ester, because one might say, hey, 4.8, you know, from fasting 4.8 with the ketones. Keto Lauren Coach, one of those variations on Instagram, she took the ester and I have a video of her uh, where two people were interviewing each other about ketone ester. I had nothing to do with it, but they let me record the video. And she talked about how she hit 4.8 on the ester, just a tiny amount. And she said, I've been 4.8 fasted. And she's like, this is still a world of difference. So it's not just the blood ketone level numbers. She said that she could smell colors. Okay. She was there. They were laughing hysterically in the video and keto Neo said that he could read street signs that were like two miles down the road. And he's like, what in the world is going on? So his vision 
was just, you know, insane. You know, that video is just you know, hilarious. And they're taking $5 worth. And that's how most people are taking it. When we initially sold our Indiegogo campaign, we sold $150,000 worth of product. You know, would anyone buy this $30 drink that tastes like jet fuel? And sure enough, people bought it. Some people left it on the shelf and waited for that two performances a year. And the other people, by the way, you're supposed to put it in the fridge. And the other people mm -hmm. started taking tiny amounts. And we have a Facebook group, which is people talking about how they are taking it and discovering different ways, like the sleep. And, and one person said for boat, you know, he gets seasickness. So he takes it for seasickness. Interesting. Yeah. He said, I can now buy a, I can now buy a boat because of ketone ester. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, so that Facebook group was where people started saying, hey, Frank, I'm liking better the smaller amount. And this is an important point. If you take too much ketone ester by itself, it will actually lower blood glucose. We've told people, don't take it for a performance your first time. Take it in practice. We had a triathlete who lost $10,000 because he had to drop out of a race because he didn't take it right. And his blood glucose probably dropped to the 50s and 60s. So for non-keto athletes, that's what this was designed for. People think that this is just a keto drink. It happens to be that 90% of our audience is keto because they've already taken the deep dive. They know what keto is. But it's actually designed for militaries that are not keto. Mm -hmm. and then what comes in is the dual fuel concept. We actually have to load up on glucose first so your blood sugar goes up. And then you take the ester and your blood sugar goes down. You're not keeping them both at a high state. You're actually keeping them at a, at a good state and you can run on both fuels and then the body will selectively, it's called glucose sparing or glycogen sparing, will selectively say, hey, I'm going to tap into this reserve because we're going downhill and we need to go faster. Oh, we're going uphill. I'm going to tap into this reserve and, and you know, not use the glucose. So that's the dual fuel concept. So when you take a higher amount, you actually start you know, taking glucose with it. And we have detailed protocols People want to just, you know, take a drink and chug it and have it work. Well, it's, it's more complicated than that. You have to take certain amounts. You can take too much. It can be de uh, detrimental. Um, but on this Facebook post, people are saying, hey, I like the $5 you know, worth more than the 30. They felt flat when they took too much. They, they went to too low sugar. Now, one person that I sent a sample to on Instagram, she took the entire bottle and she was a lightweight woman. And I told her to take one sixth of it. And, you know, she's doing her Instagram live saying that she's feeling flat. I'm trying to text her, take sugar, drink OJ. Yeah, really. <laughs> Finally got a hold of her and she's keto, so she didn't want to, but she did. She took a little hit of orange juice, popped it back up, and, you know, she was cruising for the rest of her, her workout. So it's mm -hmm. very effective and everyone uh, needs different amounts of it. So play around with it. And that's part of why we don't sell just a tiny amount to try it out. We really want you to try different things, sleep, you know, in the morning for breakfast, before, uh, right when you wake up, some people experience twice the benefit between lunch and dinner. And mm -hmm. the theory there is in the morning, your body is hungry. So half of the ester might be going to your body as a fuel source and only half of it going into the brain. You take it between lunch and dinner and you're already, your body is fueled and then the rest of it can go to your brain. So try different things. Uh, this is great. And now uh, one quick question before we get into the rapid fire questions is, is the same effect on blood glucose uh, or is it the same effect on blood glucose when you take a salt? For instance, if I were to down prove it with glucose, am I going to have the same effect or is that purely with the ester? It will have the same effect on a gram per gram basis of beta hydroxybutyrate. They, they hide the amount of beta hydroxybutyrate that's in it. The, by calling it a proprietary blend, and they say 12.9. Why do they do that? Because the competitor has 11.7 ketones on there, so they want to have a higher number, but then they mix a whole bunch of other things like amino acids 
and we don't know the exact amount, but it's approximately you know eight grams of the R form of beta hydroxybutyrate. And you can go, you can find that out by working backwards with the number. You can count the salt. Uh, and by the way, a lot of the salt companies will hide the amount of to total salt because people think of salt, they think of sodium. So yeah. they hide it under magnesium and calcium and then say percentage of RDA. They don't put the amount of grams. So who's going to go Google? Well, if the RDA is 4,000 and this is a certain percentage. So there's a lot of salt in these things, even if the sodium number might be low. And I think some companies actually sell a zero sodium. <laughs> Take too much magnesium, you're going to get the runs, too much yeah. potassium. You know, there's, there's downside you know, for everything. But yes, it will lower blood sugar, but be, the amount of ketone that you've taken is so tiny that it won't lower it enough. So it's kind of like when you microdose the ester, keto or non-keto, you don't need to add glucose because it hasn't dropped it enough. So it might mm. drop it from 100 to 90, no big deal. So the same mm. thing with the Prove-It Max. But if you're taking three or four Prove-It Max ketone salts, then yes, you might start getting too low blood sugar outside of the zone and you might want to add some sugar uh, beforehand. Yeah, it's interesting because if you look at elevated glucose, elevated ketones, that has a very similar state to like ketoacidosis, right? And that has always been a speculation of mine, like could you potentially induce that state and is that state good for your body? I don't know the answer to that. So ketoacidosis is the state where a diabetic person gets just runaway ketones or the body's just making ketones. The main element of that state is the inability to buffer the ketones out of your system. Mm -hmm. If you drank a huge amount of you know, ketone ester, and we haven't tested this, but if you were to go you know, off the charts, the meters, the hand meters go to eight millimolar, but if you were to go off the charts 10, 15, 20, we don't advise that, but your body still has the ability to buffer it, to bring it back down, to expel it like an insulin spike when you take too much glucose. People have had a crash where they take too much ketone ester and they actually crash and feel tired, lethargic, and hungry, and that's you know low blood sugar. So the key difference between you know ketoacidosis and drinking yourself to ketoacidosis is your body's ability to buffer it. Now, if you combine those two things, and someone is already experiencing ketoacidosis, they can't buffer out the ketones, and you drink more ketone ester. Yeah, that's going to be lighting, you know, adding fuel to the fire. You definitely don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I, I missed with uh, sports performance is that we did have one clinical trial with our product that we delivered to them at uh, University of Ireland where they tested, university in Ireland, where they tested the soccer sprint trial. And the sprinters did not impair their performance. I actually thought it might, but the sprinting was you know, the same, but their mental cognition at the end was better. So we're talking fourth quarter quarterback being sharper. And so they did a little brain test and found that it was notably you know, sharper at the end of the trial. We should check to see if Tom Brady is the one taking ketone esters in the fourth quarter. I have suspected it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny. No, I, <laughs> we have had, we have had elite teams buy large quantities of this secretly. They buy it, you know, through a third party so that we don't know who's using it. Cause some people use it as a competitive advantage. And we've, that's part of the problem that we've had. We've had some elite athletes say, Hey Frank, you know, can you give me this stuff? And I'm like, why for you to take it secretly? Like that doesn't, that doesn't help any. So there are sure. some people that are taking it, you know, secretly, but there are other athletes that are, you know, don't care and like the entire game to be lifted and are, you know, talking about it on Joe Rogan's podcast, you know, Matt Brown mm -hmm. talking about how he was able to you know, bring out high school moves in his MMA and just flatten all of his partners that he was sparring with and felt, you know, the slow motion 
sensation. And it took him four times, by the way, we were working on the different protocols. And the fourth time is he said, you know, those things I've been asking you, you know, you've been asking me whether I felt this, 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 finally, I got the right, you know, right protocol and just nailed it. So let's go on to if this is happening in MMA, you know, USADA is really strict. Uh, one thing, and I know we're going to get to the rapid fire questions, but I have to ask the legality of all of this, right? Because if you have teams in Tour de France using it, if you have team, if you have people in MMA using it, and I know USADA is really strict, but what about the other guys? What is there any sort of legal ramifications here? In competitive sport? Sure. Great question. I'm glad you hit on it because we touched upon it earlier and it would stink to miss it. The World Anti-Doping Association has come out in a few articles being quoted as saying that ketone esters aren't even on the watch list. Okay. And some people have been quoted on our on our podcast saying, oh, this is you know so good, it's going to be banned. And then I say to them, wait a second, are you telling me that something that is good you know, and improves performance is what they determine is the determining factor for being banned or something that is unhealthy? And that's the difference. So if red beet juice was proven to give three or 5% performance ban, are they going to, a performance gain, are they going to say, you know, we need to ban red beet juice because people are going faster? Of mm -hmm. course not. So the ketone ester is technically a food. It's not even a supplement. It's not a drug. It's a food source. It's a fourth food group, carbs, protein, fat, and now mm -hmm. it's considered a fourth food group. So the other thing is, what, what is Wally going to do? test someone's ketones and say, oh, you're at 4.0. And the person could have been fasting for five days you know, for, before their performance. There's an epic story of Dom D'Agostino who fasted for seven days and then lifted you know, hundreds of pounds on stage to show people that you, know, you can be fueled for athletic performance on ketones. So mm -hmm. it'd be very difficult to test. You can do it naturally anyhow. And you know, all these longevity papers are talking about it extending life, not you know, reducing life. I don't think that it's even... I think it's going to be something that everyone will have to take. Like literally it will have to be taken by every single athlete to stay on par with you know, the person next to them. But that can be said of Gatorade when it first came out, people didn't know about salt loads. So are they going to ban Gatorade? Like, Oh, it's, you know, it has too much salt. So it's stopping people from having you know, strokes on the field. That, that's ridiculous. It's not going to be banned, but I will think it will become the default that everyone will have to take it. And it'll just be, you know, in every drink. And by the way, so this is the ketone ester, uh, KE4 is what we call it. We're coming out with a, a new drink called ketone water because mm -hmm. people were taking such a tiny amount uh, and you should dilute it. Dilute it 2X or 4X. You said you weren't diluting it. Yeah, we, we need to talk about my protocol. <laughs> but, but the new one, ketone water, is going to be uh, virtually flavorless. Just a okay. hint wheat. And you can drink 12 ounces of it and have, you know, next to no flavor. But if you can talk about, you know, your experience and expectations on flavor, that'd be great because people sometimes are just writing it off thinking, I'm not going to drink vomit. Yeah, well, it, it's funny because you said the word vomit and it's definitely not that. I, I think my expectations on, yeah, yeah, it's not even close, right? It, it's funny because my expectations on flavor were largely guided by uh, Peter Atia on Tim Ferriss's show, which I think he called it gasoline. But it, it's it tastes a lot better than that. And again, I'm not diluting it. So if you dilute it, you're basically not going to taste it. So when I went and took five, 10 milliliters, it's non-diluted and it still tasted fine to me. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like chomping down on a tomahawk. It's cough, it's cough medicine. So it's not that bad. If you dilute it, I won't say you won't taste it. You'll still taste it, but it'll be like, 
cough syrup. There's multiple videos of people trying it, but we have given the raw version to this one guy on YouTube who eats hot chilies uh, on YouTube and he ate it and he was just, you know, just wretching. And that is the experience that Peter Atia had. He had undiluted, unflavored, un, you know, flavor masking, bitter masking, just took it straight and just, you know, was having visions at 6 a.m. of him spewing all over the kitchen counter and having to eat that because it's cost so much. <laughs> And it's just this epic tale that's just ingrained into people's head. But now you know, we've got, you know, females that aren't, that are very sensitive to food, you know, diluting it and saying, you know, no big deal. And some people actually, after a few days, actually start to like it because mm-hmm. the bitter receptors change and they're actually looking forward to it. I think it's actually, it's a positive feedback loop, right? Because you taste it the first time and yeah, it's cough syrup, but then you start to feel better. And so maybe somehow you shift your receptors so that because you feel better, you want to taste more of it, right? But that's, that's just my one too. Some people ask whether we made it taste bad on purpose. So something, you know, taste that bad has to work, right? You know, Mm -hmm. for the placebo effect, who's going to give, you know, nasty rocket fuel. We actually used to call it jet fuel grapefruit flavor. <laughs> now we're just a uh, very scary cherry. Excellent. So Frank, this has been incredible. Thank you for going on the deep dives here. Now I want to hit you with the last four sort of rapid fire questions before we, before we go. First question, what aspect of health do you think needs more attention than it's currently receiving? I think sleep. I think sleep is the next frontier. People don't get enough. High performers think that if they get less sleep, well, many high performers think that they can get less sleep and get more work done when the opposite is true. If you can actually get good quality sleep, going to sleep earlier, which I don't do, you know, I still have you know, a lot of room for improvement. That, and also meditation. I think the ability to use uh, this one device called the Muse that you put on your head. Love it. Can't get into meditation. It turns meditation into a game, which you're not supposed mm-hmm. to do. But I even have my six-year-old an eight-year-old actually do it. To have kids for 20 minutes be able to play this game where you're listening to rain and you try to make the sound of birds by, by relaxing, who would think that an eight-year-old running around crazy would be able to do that? So yeah. if you're entering into meditation, that's an addictive way to get started. And then you can take it off and you know, cruise on. So sleep and meditation, basically the mind is where I think you know, much more potential can be studied. Uh, what's your top trick for enhancing focus? Uh, so meditation, so 10 minutes, 10 minutes will help you get the equivalent of another half an hour of deep sleep. It just refreshes the brain. So you go to nothingness. I recommend transcendental med, transcendental meditation. My wife does Vipassana. Uh, I think I probably said that wrong. Different types of meditations that are out there. I like TM because it's supposed to bring your brain down to zero as opposed to you know being cognitively aware of things. The mm-hmm. idea is to be thinking nothing to take you to a new state. So that would be the, you know, the best uh, biohack. Yeah, I love TM as well. Uh, the price tag on TM is a little punchy, but it's worth, it's worth the investment, I would say. What's your favorite book on high performance? I like uh, Born to Run and Can't Hurt Me. So Born to Run, they talk about these tribes in uh, Mexico that are you know, running ultra marathons just naturally and coming to the US and just destroying everyone. And they all run on their toes. I've been a big... Uh, advocate of Vibram five finger toe shoes for a while. And one problem, by the way, with the Esther, I took the Esther before running on my five finger toe shoes and I ended up doubling my workout, which blew out my calves. Even though it's supposed to be wow. good for recovery, I blew out my calves for an entire week. And uh, here's one funny little hack that I did. So I like Vibrams 
so I bought these Vibrams and, and that are sandals and said, why have the back half of the Vibrams? So I, I took these sandals that, you know, they were cheaper used on, on eBay women's and I cut the back half and your, my feet just go in the toes and just, you know, run on that. I love toe running. I ran track in college and I wish that every single one of our seven mile runs were on our toes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, David Goggins can't hurt me had you know, inspired me. What he did is just so, if I can do 1% of what he did, I can, you know, just make things amazingly better. And what I took to doing is habit stacking where you stack something that you like with something you don't like. And so I liked listening to books on tape. Mm-hmm. So I listened to certain books that I like that are inspirational only when I run. So I'd be excited to go run. And I, cause I normally hate running even though, you know, I ran in college. And I decided to run in the wintertime with a tank top and short shorts and gloves. If you can sit in the cold and do this, you know, cold therapy for, you know, multiple days at a time, you know, his Navy SEALs and stuff, I can do a 20 minute run, you know, in my shorts. And mm-hmm. it is empowering running past people that are walking their dogs with super thick fur coats and you're just running, running half naked past them. It just, it, it's lifting and just makes you feel like, you know, superhuman. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's end with a little bit more about where people can find out more about you because we've had a very deep dive on esters here and you've mentioned a few of your products. Do you mind just going in a little bit about that? Sure. So KE4 is our super concentrated, make sure to dilute it drink. It's about 33 bucks for a bottle, but when you take a micro dose, it can be anywhere from $5 worth. And some people even take half of that. So two or $3 worth. And you can find out on ketonade.com. We have a bunch of videos. A lot of those videos are still older videos when we're giving elite athletes massive amounts. So I don't want to be misleading, expecting those performance gains. And then you're taking a micro dose and you might not have the same gains. But we're starting to actually get more and more videos of people taking microdosing. And Instagram is where we post our more frequent content and people taking it that we can retweet, you know, their experiences with with the tiny amount. Also on YouTube, we have a bunch of you know videos and testimonials on there. The next drink that's coming out is the ketone water, which should be, you know, next to no flavor. That's the more 7-Eleven grab and go drink. Mm-hmm. Six bucks a serving. Hopefully we'll get the price down, but just six bucks. And we'll be venturing into many other products in the future as well. One's called Snake Water, which is less water. And it has more of the kitchen sink, everything that I wish, all the supplements and stacks that I love, like Hooperzyne and, you know, uh, not, not caffeine, but, you know, a stimulant would be in that one. You put mm-hmm. all those together and that's, that's the Red Bull type sugar-free energy drink. People are doing their own stacking right now. Ben Greenfield was on Joe Rogan talking about when he does a hard performance, he stacks certain amino acids with our ketone ester and he just, you know, takes off. Excellent. Frank, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, One conversation that I want to have for a long time is on these esters and thank you for coming on the show and educating all of us. This has been amazing. Great. Thanks for having me. To all the superhumans listening out there, have an absolutely epic day. Superhumans. Before you go, can I ask two favors? Did you enjoy that episode? If so, can you send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com? Provide any feedback, positive or negative. I would love to hear from you. And for those of you who have really taken advantage of that, you know I respond to each email. Secondly, if you did enjoy the episode, can you head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, any one of your favorite podcast listening platforms, and give Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. 
it would really be appreciated. And then finally, for those of you who are looking at taking an informed approach to health, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com. Check out what we have going on over there. And if you want to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call with me, you're going to have that option. Superhumans, have an absolutely epic day. And remember, as always, choose health. Choose health.